Hey everyone, I'm Lewis Malley. Welcome to the podcast. This episode was originally recorded on one of my live streams. If you want to watch or listen to more of my content, please follow me on the various social media channels. Please leave a review, subscribe, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, welcome to another live stream. Um, thanks everyone for joining. Let me stick this on. Awesome. So, Today, I wanted to speak about why so many companies and people are hiring for pedigree over potential. Um, It's been happening for for years and years. You know, everyone likes someone that's worked in a similar firm, gone to the same uni, all of that kind of stuff. So I've got Jessica Lloyd, who I've known for quite a while now, and she's just got a new role, which we're going to find out about now. And she's kindly agreed to come on and talk to me about all of that cool stuff. So... Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. How are you? I can't complain. I'm doing very well. So you're on. You're in between jobs right now. I am. I am. So I think, as as you know, happens with many of us, I uh, was presented with a fantastic opportunity, and the stars aligned, and I made the decision uh, to leave Oracle and move into an exciting new role with Chewy. So I am, I decided to take a few weeks off, which, which, you know, I don't get to do often. So I will start my new role uh, the 1st of March. Nice. So they obviously saw the potential in you. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So where, so where are you exactly? Is it Denver? Denver, Colorado. And we've got beautiful snow on the ground and bright sunshine. Uh, So I'm enjoying a lovely day today. Oh, lovely, lovely. So we've talked, we spoke, we spoke about this, we've spoken about this a few times, haven't we? The potential over pedigree. So I thought it'd be a good, a good place to start. And this is probably really a rhetorical question, but is there actually bias in the recruitment process? Yes, yeah. there absolutely is. There absolutely is. Yes. Because <laughs> I find out about you, I find when I go when I go and see a client and you're you're going through a job description, I'm asking them what they're looking for. So much of the time, people are like, "Okay, I want them from this firm. I want them from if if it's a tech firm, you know, I want them from Google, Apple, Microsoft, Oracle, you know, whatever it might be." And then you and then you kind of delve in a little bit and you say, "Like, well, why? Like, why? Mm-hmm. What is it that you want? Now, what what do you think? Is it just the comfort? I mean, why?" Uh, Yeah. You know, here's the thing about bias. We all have it. Every single person has bias. The tricky part to bias is recognizing it and then actively confronting it and addressing it. So what bias can feel like a lot of the time, especially in the recruiting process, is you're comfortable, right? It's what you know and you have this perception that good looks like this, whether it's a degree or a GPA, or you've come from a particular company. And so there's definitely bias. And unless we are actively asking ourselves, is this really what I need to hire for? Or is this me falling back on what I feel comfortable with? So you bring up a really good point in the recruiting process where many times business leaders will say, hey, I I need this company, this many years of experience, this degree, this school, even down to has to be this area of the country, has to be, 
you know, dot, dot, dot. And so we end up getting these really tight profiles. And what business leaders do is they use that as a way to say, okay, all of those things mean good, right? But what they're failing to recognize and consider is what are the true competencies that that determine success? And that's that's a little bit more of a of a more involved process for a business leader to step back and say, I think that I need someone from this company, but do I really or or do I really need strong leadership, problem solving abilities, nimble, um, somebody who's able to manage change very quickly and navigate complexities successfully? So when we start to think about competencies versus pedigree, then we're able to really start to dig into what does success look like and what do I as a business leader really need to move the needle for my team? Yeah, yeah no, definitely. There's also, I think there's a big bit of ego there as well. You know, the ego around how oh, my team are full of, you know, they're from McKinsey, mm-hmm. they're from like Amazon, but you know, like it's, there's also this ego that I think people just need to put to the side. But also I find that if you're, you know, look at the, like the current economic environment. I mean, if you're a middle manager and you've been asked to go and hire a software developer, right? And you're looking around and a few people have been made redundant, the company's not doing so well or whatever. It's really, it's really hard to go and think about hiring for potential. You know, if you have one candidate from Google, one from XYZ software firm, but actually they'll probably do a better job because you, you know, you've assessed them properly and stuff. It's hard to actually go and hire them, right? If they don't work out, you know, your manager can be like, hey, sorry, where are they from? Yeah, right. Whereas right. from Google, you're like, well, hey, hey, they were from Google. I mean, so yeah, hey, is- don't, yeah, don't blame me. They were from <laughs> Google, right? So, but you bring up, you bring up such a good point and therein lies the rub in recruiting. So when you think about recruiting is part science, but it's also part art. And when you think about the art piece of recruiting, it's how are we helping business leaders step away from that uh, pedigree limiting uh, profile um, circle that they find themselves in? Because it takes some skill to step back and say, um, is is Google the definition of success? And listen, there are great people at Google. They hire yeah. phenomenal people. But is is Google the definition of success? Or is it that these individuals who are working at Google have a set of competencies that have helped them to be successful? And can we find those competencies from other areas outside of Google. And the other thing that we have to keep in mind when we think about really important concepts and really important initiatives around diversity is when we limit ourselves to a very select grouping of companies, we are inherently limiting diversity, right? Because Google, as as wonderful of a company as Google is, their diversity numbers are what they are. So we're never going to be able to hire more diversity than what is already contained in that company. So if in the tech industry, as, as an example, if you're only going to a set number of companies and we know what their diverse employee populations are, 
then we're bound to that, right? Whereas if we're able to really identify success competencies and expand our search out outside of just a, a select grouping of companies, as an example, then we expand our opportunity to hire diversity, which we know it's been proven diverse yeah. teams are more successful teams. So, you know, we have to think if we're only fishing in the same pond over and over and over and over, then we are bound to build homogenous teams for the most part. Yeah. So when we when we talk about the value of diversity, we have to start talking about competency fit, real success profiles, and challenge ourselves to move away from this pedigree only way of recruiting and hiring. 100%. I completely agree. And, and, and in, a, in a bit, let's go over how we actually do that. But I think just to just to, to confirm your point, if you look at companies, so many, so many people just journey around like That's right. similar firms, you know, you look at financial services. And I remember you know, just after the financial crisis and, you know, people saying, oh, the leadership wasn't great and there's too much group think and, you know, but then you look a few years after and it's the same people, you know, like the head of compliance has moved from one bank to another or, you know, the CEO has moved around. So it just, it goes on so often. Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, I don't know, it finds it, it, just people really need to just step back. They also need to be given maybe the time from leadership um, almost the permission to to go in and hire differently. Um, so I think there's there's something there's some of that going on as well. And but is, is there is there a, is there a positive side to to bias? Like is there a, is there like a positive side before we dive into the other side of of hiring someone that you know? Like for example, you know I always feel like, and then this might be right or wrong, that I'm a better judge of someone if. They've gone to the same uni as me and they've gone to the same school. I kind of think, OK, like similar background to me, kind of know a little bit. Of, do, do you see any value in that or, or we completely is that a massive red herring? Well, you know, you bring up a really good point because it goes back to what we were chatting about at the at the start of our of our chat. And that is when we're comfortable with something, we're comfortable with it. Right. We can relate to it. We can see the value in it. And so we say. Oh, they played football. I played football. Or, oh, they were in theater. I was in theater. I can relate to them. I see value in their perspective. And so I feel more comfortable making a decision because that person feels comfortable. It could be, oh, they were raised in the same area. They belong to the, the same fraternity or sorority. So there's bias feels comfortable. And so a lot of people say, you know, if I have to make a decision, I'm going to go with what I feel comfortable with. So to, to people who are making those decisions, that that uh, level of comfort feels good to them. And then they can say, okay, I think I made a really good hire here. What's missed there though, is that there can be value in different experiences and different approaches and different ways of thinking, but we're not necessarily familiar with that. And so it feels foreign. We're not sure about it. We can't confidently say if we think that's going to be good. And that is at the end of the day, that's what bias is, is, yeah. is we lean towards what we feel comfortable with. 
Yeah. So you brought up a good point, which is we have to train people to start understanding when they may have bias, right? And then, well, then what do I do with it, right? That's the question. So then what do I do with it? So maybe I'm making a decision because I'm comfortable with this choice, but maybe this other choice is the better choice. How do I, how do I figure that out, right? So that that's tough. And that's where uh, in, in corporate USA, we have to start training business leaders to think past their bias and uh, to start thinking about what does success look like? How do we define that? And how do we measure that? And then let's go find people who fit those competencies versus, to your point, profile. But let me say on a side note here, yeah. Um, yeah, we make really good hires from very specific schools, right? There are there are indicators that we can rely on to say, listen, this school has real has a really good program in the area that I need, right? So it's not to say that we eliminate no. those those pedigree pieces, but it's are we also incorporating competency pieces it's, as well? Yeah, yeah, it's making it all the gates wider. That's right. Know? That's because right. And we call it you're you're opening the funnel, you're broadening the funnel. And yeah. you're instead of having the top of the funnel narrow, we're we're providing more opportunity for qualified people who can be very successful in the role. We're giving them more opportunity to be considered for those yeah. positions. Yeah, yeah. Because hey, look, I mean, everyone's got a different life story, right? You might not have been able to go to that school. You might not have been able to afford it to have gone to university. That's right. So, so you've got to appreciate everyone has a slightly different life, life story, life experience. And, and it's great. And just, just to finish off on this point, I think you're right. It's all about, it's comfort. You know, so much, so much of the time people say, yeah, you know, great school, great university. Yeah. I know the firm, they're great. I know a few people in common. I checked them out on LinkedIn you know, so you're right. All of that, all that really gives you is comfort, but it's not a good predictor of future performance. That's right. It's not a reliable predictor. Not reliable um, predictor. Because we're not necessarily tapping into what this person needs to do and, and do well. We're yeah. not tapping into that at all when we're making our decisions. And, and that's where uh, the gap is when we think yeah. of pedigree versus potential. It's are we are, are we measuring the right things and are we yeah. uh, effectively measuring the right things? Yeah. How are we making decisions? How are we determining this person is a fit versus this person is not a fit? So those are the those are the big questions. And I think for for organizations that can uh, get really good at that, they start making really good hires and you start to see the positive influence of that in their results. And so yeah. th that's that's the big question, right? Are we yeah. hiring the right people? Are we bringing in the right people to do the right work the right way? That's always the biggest question. Yeah. Um, and in my opinion, getting really good at hiring for competency fit is the the ticket there. That's the key. That's, that's how... Yeah companies and organizations can start to feel much more confident that they're making solid hiring decisions. Yeah. I think we should dive into that. Like what should we actually be assessing for? Because can just to set the scene, often when I when I receive feedback from clients and I receive feedback from candidates, 
almost all the time and I always just ask an open question like how do you feel it went you know mm -hmm. but and they always say to start with I think I really got on with the person well like it's always the you know the I mean, the first impression the gut feel mm -hmm. but it's always this you know and you're like oh how you know how, why how come you thought you got on with this person well what is it about this person that mm -hmm. you know that you liked and then sometimes if you really drill down, it's like ah, they, they shared some experience in common. Mm -hmm. um, and that that can really cloud your judgment either way. So bearing all of this stuff in mind, what what, what should we actually be assessing for? Like, what are the things that we should be like sitting down and? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what I recommend is taking time, whether you're a recruiter or you're a business leader, is really taking the time to sit down and assess what does success look like for my team? So there are questions that leaders can ask themselves or there are questions that talent acquisition professionals can guide their clients through. Those questions are, tell me for the people who are performing very well, why? Why are they, what is it about these people that you've identified as top performers? What is it about them, right? So we start to hear things that are competency specific. So here is an example. Well, you know why this person is a top performer? They're a top performer because they navigate change very well. They're highly nimble. They're able to pivot quickly. They're an excellent problem solver. They've, yes, they've mastered this technology or they're able to bring certain specific skill sets to the table. But there are also bigger things like they really show up as a leader for their team. They really mentor others. The success of the team is important to them and it shows in these ways, right? So you start to get a sense of there are some inherent characteristics that really determine success for every yeah. single team, every single team. You can know the technology inside and out, but if you are a toxic influence to your teammates, you're not helping that team be successful. You could be doing the exact opposite. So, yeah. so you might have specific skill sets or pedigree that contribute to the team, but if there are uh, competencies or uh, personal attributes that are not positive, that can do more damage than good. So yeah. I would say start, you know, as a business leader, or if you're a, a talent acquisition professional, guide your, your clients through this, what I call a, a competency validation, right? Which is what does success look like? And then flip that over to say, of the people who have not been successful, why, right? Then you start to hear things like, wow, well, they, they came from a really, really good school and they're really smart and we belong to the same fraternity and we got along really well, but they just could not manage their time well, or their client engagement was not good, or they weren't a great team player, or, you know, you can go on, the list goes on and on. So then you start to get a sense for, okay, we need to start assessing for specific skills, yes, but then we also need to drill into personal attributes. So yes. how do you do that? And yeah. a lot of times business leaders need to be trained to interview. So an interview is a skill and making a decision is a skill. So what questions are you asking? How do you know if that person answered that question well? How do you know if that is a good answer versus a bad answer? You're saying yes to this, no to this. And so it's about really establishing a set of, of criteria, competencies, 
and developing a definition. What does that actually mean? So if you say good team player, what does that mean for your team? Yes. And then giving those individuals who are responsible for making hiring decisions, giving them clear guidance of we're measuring this thing. This is the definition of that thing. And these are questions you can ask to assess that. And then here's a rating scale that you can consistently employ across all candidates so that when we're making our decision, it is a consistent process. We're truly digging into what we need to dig into to hire the right person. And then we're able to go back and look at that data and reanalyze it and say, okay, was that a good hire over time, right? So I would say that the biggest thing is start with what does success look like and, and start digging in there because it's not always pedigree, right? You're not yeah. going to hear someone say, and here's what, here's a fun point. And you, you brought this Go up um, just a moment ago. You don't hear people say, oh, everyone that I hired from Stanford was amazing. Every single person, right? There are some people that we hire from Stanford, as an example, who might not work out. But for some reason, that hire is given a pass because they came from Stanford, right? Whereas if we say, we're going to go look at some non-traditional candidates who fit these competencies, you may have many of those candidates do exceptionally well, but the one who doesn't, now that's kind of the the neon sign. Oh, but remember, we hired that non-traditional candidate and they didn't work out, right? So we have to regularly challenge ourselves to say, yah but we also hired some folks from Stanford who didn't work out as well true so let's, look, sometimes you know, let's be equitable yeah it's true sometimes you might just you might need someone really scrappy you know that's happy to right. get their hands dirty and they just right. and they and they want it because you know when you're hiring I mean, for me it's like three things it's like can they, can they do the job have they got the potential to be amazing mm-hmm. are they going to love it and am i going to enjoy working with them i mm-hmm. feel feel like they're the kind of three questions ultimately um you're interested in it. and you just you want people who are like really up for it you know like you come in problems? yeah you know just come yeah. and do this thing with me you know i'm going to be spending more time with you than i do with my wife mm-hmm. i need right. to we need to enjoy it you need to be up for it you know some of those things like also i look for you know kindness like mm-hmm. imagine a company full of like loads of kind people really really mm-hmm. cool um so this yeah. is a lot yeah you know and you can test for these things like this things Absolutely. You, can, you know you can make them feel really comfortable you know you can kind of delve in you can ask them some things about i know things that haven't worked out see how humble they are see how mm-hmm. how how much they're willing to learn and I, I it feels like if you're brave enough you know you can ah. yeah you can courage. do it it takes courage so yeah. and and that you bring up such a good point um kindness empathy One of the biggest things that I tell people all the time is emotional intelligence, right? That is probably the number one competency and skill that every business leader should measure in every single interview. Dig into emotional intelligence, right? There, There are ways to measure that in an interview. There are ways to understand how does this person relate to others? How does this person manage and handle conflict? How does this person present if they're feeling triggered or if they're challenged? Yeah. Um, but part of emotional intelligence is empathy. 
Um, and that is a huge skill that many times does not get addressed at all in the interview process. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it really, it, it bleeds into every piece of business, right? Emotional intelligence bleeds into every piece of business. And it's such a key Everything. piece. Everything. Yeah. It's so it's so important. You can do it. I think I wrote a piece on it. If anyone wants uh, wants it, I'll forward it to you. But you can you can ask questions. You, know, you can ask them how they felt in certain scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like th- things like that. Like you can you can ask and test for it. What's one thing is interesting. Would you would you recommend interviewing in pairs, or are you cool with people interviewing on their own? You know, I think interviewing in pairs can be done successfully, but here's the catch there. You have to do it well, right? So you have to consider candidate experience. So if I'm a candidate and I sit down and I've got these two people just intensely coming at me, um, that's probably not the the experience that you want for your candidate. But if you can do it well and you can keep in mind that that candidate experience does matter when you want to attract top talent, then yeah, I, as long as there's a give and take and as long as there is a set plan for that interview, for example, hey, Lewis, you focus on these competencies, I'll focus on these competencies, right? And this yeah. is our goal for this interview. We want this individual to feel welcome. We wanna really dig into their experiences and background. We wanna determine if they're a fit for these really important competencies. Then I'm not opposed to to interviewing in pair in pairs. Um, where where I always shy away are those big panel interviews yeah, uh, yeah. because those can be pretty intimidating for candidates. And the feedback that we get from candidates all the time is, oh, my gosh, that was intense, but not in a good way. Yeah, they're um, quite, they're quite cool. It's also when, I, I'm, when I'm interviewing on my own, mm-hmm. I think you can also get people to feel more comfortable and open up a bit more. Right. You know, if there's, if there's two people, it's an interview. Like right. it's a it's a That's proper right. interview. That's Whereas right. if it's just me and you having a chat, then you you're a bit more relaxed. Um, you'll open up a bit more. I think I can find out a little bit more about what you're really like behind the facade of you know this is an unnatural interview kind of scenario. It can be more genuine and more authentic. Yeah. I always recommend one on one is always best. Um, I advise against big panel interviews. Um, I think one-on-one is best to your point. You can, you really set the stage for authenticity and you set the stage for uh, connection, which is yeah. very important, especially when we're in competitive candidate markets where we're competing for top talent. Uh, the candidate, again, the candidate experience is kind of a make it or break it, right? If, if you are a company that says we have got to hire top talent, if you're not assessing your candidate experience, then you're missing a big opportunity. Oh, it's got to be five star. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're absolutely. Um, and people miss that. Um, even now, I don't know why people miss that. It still always feels like I had someone the other day. Um, she went for an interview, like third interview. And she's like, I still haven't really found out the stuff I want to find out to make the most important life decision I'm going to make, which is moving mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. And, they'd, and, and this client had focused and I gave them the feedback and made sure that they they uh they they gave her the space in the next in the next meeting. But the first two meetings it was it was like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, we're finished now. I've got, I've got to go off the Zoom. You know, it's like, right, it's an hour, I've got to same same for the next one. And these people just, you know, need to take a breath a little bit <laughs> and yeah. just appreciate, give people the space. 
And it, you know, it's it's one of those uh, interesting dynamics in business right, where everyone is so busy and they just need to get this thing done. They need to check it off the list, right? And it's it's one of those situations where slowing down is such a valuable piece of the process, and it saves you time in the long run, right? Because oh, yeah. if you're making those connections and you're really digging in, you know, back to the back to you know, competencies, if you just slow down and really dig in where you need to dig in, then you do save time in the long run. And then you do improve your employment brand in the long run. You improve your candidate experience and you set yourself up to be more attractive to the top talent that you want and need to hire. So a lot of times we run, we get into that hamster wheel where we're just go, 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 go. Right. And I always advise, you know, now's a good time to push that pause button and take a breath and ask ourselves, is this the right thing to be doing at this moment? And sometimes go, 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 crossing it off the list is not the right thing to do. Yeah, you've got to give it, you've got to give it the proper time. That's right. There's so many, you know what it's like, people always remember the negative experiences, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot more. I mean, so even so far as you speak to some people about a client and they're like, oh, aren't they the ones with the, uh, the bad candidate experience? Oh, they're the ones that don't give feedback um someone said the other day on on, i think and i think amazon apparently um i was on uh clubhouse which i still need to send you an invite for um i got in there oh you got in okay i'll follow you we'll we'll do a little thing um although i did promise i send you an invite and i didn't so i feel really bad sorry um (laughs) um apparently amazon don't give candidates feedback like that's their that's their thing which i thought was quite interesting because i mean who doesn't want good feedback so but yeah look I mean to your point I think giving giving it the proper thought is really really important I think also the other thing that that leaders or hiring managers should think about is what are the skills that that you don't have like what are the skills that I don't have that I need on my team to you know to complement and 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 so that that's also another interesting thing that you should think about when when hiring someone That is so true, especially when you have groups and organizations and teams that need to move the needle, right? If if we're only looking at that pedigree, then we're only hiring a homogenous team and we're not bringing in, to your point, diversity of thought, diversity of experience. And so you're just going to keep doing the same thing. You might move the needle, but if you're that organization that needs to really get Listen, you know, yes. to the next level quickly, you won't do that without having the courage, to your earlier point, yeah. to really think outside of your current profile and really think outside of, I love what you said before, I need somebody who's scrappy or even... I need somebody who's who's just got more tools in their toolkit. And maybe yeah. that's somebody who's had different life experiences. Maybe that's somebody who's worked for startups versus established firms. Maybe that's somebody who has taken a unique path, right? Um, and that's where you start to see teams and organizations do amazing things and accomplish those big, hairy, audacious goals is because they're really thinking outside of, their current team and what gaps do they need to fill and let's let's hire people to those specific gaps um i heard from from someone um that i respect immensely i'll be working with her at chewy 
but she says, she says, I hire to superpowers. And I love that because you I like say, that. I like that. identify what that superpower is and hire that person and let them go do that thing. Let them yeah. go and contribute that superpower. And that's yeah. really where we're able to say, let's hire to competencies. Let's hire people for these things that they're very, very good at. And let's let them go be good at that. Yeah, because you can train the other stuff, right? You like, can. Can you train you someone can. to be scrappy and motivated? I think that, you, you know, like if you need some people that are just, you know, like really on it and super motivated, get them in. If they haven't quite got some of the technical stuff that you need, train them, like develop them. There you go. And, you know, that feels scary to a lot of, of business leaders and to a lot of companies because they immediately think, I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I don't have the infrastructure to train someone. And so that feels big and that feels insurmountable, right? If you're thinking, how am I going to train this person in this? That's where that's where people get into that hamster wheel of plug and play talent is yeah. I don't have time to train, right? I just need them to know this thing and I need them to come in and hit the ground running and do that thing. But yet they're missing all of this opportunity, right? And I think a lot of business leaders don't realize um, how, how possible it is to train and how possible it is to hire for those competencies, those inherent success attributes. And if you're hiring, as an example, if you're hiring somebody who is intelligent and who can manage complex information and learn complex information quickly, then they will be able to learn these things yeah. that you can train them. And so oh. that's where if we can just get leaders to start thinking in that way, then that can broaden their candidate pool significantly. Oh. And it can really help them get the people that they need to get to that next level. 100%. 100%. You know, look, I mean, online learning is amazing. You know, all these MOOCs, massive online learning community. People, you know, give, give someone the opportunity they may not be quite there maybe mm -hmm. right i mean maybe they haven't got quite but if they've got these these like these interpersonal skills these attributes that you feel like you're lacking in your team that could really complement or even that they're the attributes that you see in your best performing person um yeah take a i don't want to say take a risk because i don't feel it's a risk you know it, it, it feels like a risk um to you know to business leaders, it can feel like a risk, which is why they, they're they hesitant to do that. But what you'll hear from business leaders who have done it and who have done it well is they'll tell you it was the best decision I've ever made, right? I, I stepped outside of my comfort zone as a leader. I hired this person who was not what I typically hire from an experienced background pedigree perspective. And this person was a raging success, right? Once once business leaders start to get a taste of that kind of success and what that means for their team, then they're much more likely to want to do that again and again and again. So a lot of times it's it feels like a risk. But if we can get these business leaders to take that chance, they'll start to see. And then that's where we start to see momentum build around yes bringing in more diversity, bringing in different types of experiences and skills and profiles and education. I have a, a really good example where, you know, there was a tight, tight profile that says they have to have a year 
of doing this thing, right? And nothing, nothing under a year, right? And so you stop and you say, but six months doing this thing exceptionally well excludes them or nine months doing this thing exceptionally well or four months doing this thing exceptionally well excludes them when they also bring these other things to the table. And that was, you know, I, I really advised and worked with a business leader on this to say, let's give it a try. Let's give it a try and see. You have in your mind a year. It has to be a year. But if we're able to demonstrate that this person has done that thing for six months exceptionally well, and then they also bring this, 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 and this, that's somebody that we should be considering, right? And so, you know, a lot of times we, we without even realizing it, we exclude really good talent because we've got these things in our head that really don't mean success. They don't necessarily equate to success. So yeah, it's yeah. it's fine as a business leader to say, I need somebody who has experience doing this thing. But is it really five years? Is it really three years? Is it really 15 years? Does it have to be that boxed in is the question. Yeah. 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 Well, look, you know, I mean, I think we have to all appreciate that we are human and we are biased. That's it, right? We are. There's a great book, if you haven't read it, um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Mm -hmm. um, he won the Nobel Prize for Behavioral Economics. Great, great read. And it's all about the fact that we, we're biased, right? I won't spoil it for you. Um, <laughs> uh, but great book. So, and, and just, you know, I think as long as we appreciate that, and then you can start to put these, these processes in place that, that will help us try and make the best decision possible. It was always really interesting. This great story I heard. It was back in the last financial crisis, and there was a bank, and this guy was hiring, and um, and they were talking about bias, and this guy was like, no, 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 no. like I'm not biased. I don't know what you're talking about. So they were like, okay, um, we're going to put a little camera, and he knew, and he knew this. We're going to put a camera in your room when you interview candidates for this job that he was looking for. And he was like, okay, cool, no problem. So um, two candidates, uh, he interviewed two candidates. One came in, this was a bank. So the person was wearing a tie, suit, like just fitted in perfectly, you know, just looked the part, came in, did the interview, left, guy like marked it up. Next candidate come in, came in, jeans and a t-shirt, right? Just, just didn't fit into a bank whatsoever. Um, did the interview, left, HR came in and said, well, which one's better? Oh, the first candidate. So oh, how come? Answers were impeccable, like just, you know, demonstrated the key competencies I was looking for, just brilliant. Played back the video to him and he was like completely shocked. Like that, that guy in the suit was like, just didn't hear anything. Mm -hmm. He was so blinded by just, oh, you know, he's, the, he's got the nice tie, he's got the suit, slick. So, you know, it happens to the best of us. It, it happens to all of us. And that's where, you know, the, the word bias to a lot of people feels bad and evil and, and you don't want to be that thing. But the reality is we all have it. And what you're describing is kind of the superhero effect. And then on the flip side of that is kind of the villain effect, which is once somebody in your mind that that initial impression fits what your bias is telling you success looks like, then everything is clouded in that, in that lens, with that lens. Once you have the opposite of that, which is the jeans and the t-shirt, everything is clouded in that lens. 
that is bias. That's what yeah. bias is. And to your point and what I've been trying to share and what I continue to educate individuals on is every single human being has bias. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you're evil. It means you're human. Uh, we all have it. Again, the trick is identifying when you might be making decisions based on bias and getting really good at, at establishing some checks and balances for yourself as a human being, as a professional, as a son, daughter, wife, friend, husband, whatever. And, and when you're making a decision to have a an internal check and balance to say, okay, am I making this decision because I'm comfortable with that? Or it, it might might I be operating with some bias here? And if we're do if we're able to do that, we get comfortable at that, then we really can start to step outside of that bias and go, you know, the jeans and t-shirt guy is really good. He's got the experience and the grit and the problem solving that I need for this role. Yeah. Uh, so that that's where some really cool things can happen. Love that. Love yeah. That. What what a great place to end. Be brave, be open. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jessica. Really appreciate it. My Good luck. pleasure. Good luck in your new role as well. Um, Thank you. And I will speak to you very soon. Thank you very much. Have a great Thank day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe in all the usual places.